Hi, I'm Olaomi Brigway, and I began to experience all-round supernatural success in my life when I finally accepted that no matter how hard a person works, they will never rise above the level of thinking. Are you looking for transformation from the inside out? Then join me on the Super Abundant Life podcast. Welcome to another episode of the Super Abundant Life podcast, where we tackle real issues by examining the lives of real people and extracting real life solutions that are rooted in the wisdom of God. This is your host, Olaomi Brigway. Hi, this is Olaomi and welcome to episode 56 of the podcast. Right, so today I'm just going to jump in <laughs> and I want to talk about a topic that I'm pretty certain if you ask anyone or well, almost anyone, if it's something that they would rather not deal with in, in their life, I think pretty much everyone or almost everyone would say, yes, I don't, I don't, I don't like dealing with this. I don't like this in my space. Um, and that topic is conflicts. Well, fortunately or unfortunately life and conflicts actually go hand in hand. There's no way to completely escape conflicts. You may avoid it to a certain degree. Um, some people would have, you know, go to great lengths to avoid conflict uh by being sort of like a people pleaser as long as, as soon as somebody uh has a different opinion to them they'll like you know shrink back and say no 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 you know do whatever you want to do but at some point they're going to have to step up and deal with that conflict and find a way to resolve it so resolving conflicts is something that we need to learn how to do it's a skill actually Conflict resolution is a skill, especially if you're in a leadership capacity. One of the first things that you'll be expected to know how to do as a leader is to resolve conflicts. Okay. And because we're all leaders in whatever capacity, it is definitely a skill that is worth acquiring and developing. So what I'm going to be talking about today is learning on, or I'm going to be sharing on how to resolve conflicts quickly and peacefully in the workplace, in marriage, and in life generally. So I'm going to be sharing some of the um, strategies that you know I've used as a leader in the workplace, uh, strategies that I've used and learned in marriage and in life generally, as well as you know obviously doing my research, going into the Bible, etc. So I really um, believe that you know these will help you. Um, so let me know at the end of the podcast, once you finish listening, if it's something that, you know, was useful to you, then please drop me an email, um, contact at allowmebrigway.com or find me on Instagram, allowmebrigway or LinkedIn and drop me a note. I, I really do love to hear feedback, uh, whether it's in the form of questions or comments or whatever. <laughs> I love to hear back from people that listen to the podcast. So I hope to hear back from you. So resolving conflicts quickly and peacefully at work, in marriage and in life. So what are conflicts? Let me start from there. Um, a very simplified version or definition of conflict is, you know, very simplistic definition is a difference of opinion. When two people see things from a different perspective, 
okay that is what a conflict is <laughs> when people two people or more are coming from different angles and they cannot at that point in time they may eventually come to the point where they come to some form of agreement but at the moment of that of that conflict they don't see eye to eye they don't see from the same perspective and conflicts will basically escalate when um one party is not willing to cross over or they're not willing to come to some some form of agreement so that's essentially what a conflict is we encounter conflicts every single day conflicts in marriage you know difference of opinion as you, your husband wants to do something your you want to do something else your wife wants to do something you want to do something else you think about you know in terms of raising your children you have different ideas as to how that should be done um at work uh, apparently I was reading up on this and there was a statistic that I read that about 63% of people in the workplace say that they're, you know, they're dealing with some kind of difficult boss or something. That's a really high number, you know, that they're experiencing conflict as a high rate or at least above average in the workplace as a result of maybe a difficult boss. So this is something that is very important that we need to know how to deal with and because we are christians okay god expects us to be able to resolve conflicts peacefully at the end of the day he wants us to be at peace with all men that's what the bible says and if you go by jesus's sort of example of if they take your your coat uh, if they take your shirt give them your coat as well if they force you to go a mile you know let them you know go two miles Obviously, God is a God of peace, all right? He wants us to be able to have a peaceful outcome to any kind of conflict. So that is the approach that I'm going to be taking. And I promise you, you know, having it resolved and ending in peace does not mean that you lose out. <laughs> I mean, I don't like to lose out, okay? I don't. In fact, the reason why I love God so much and I love Christianity and I love the Bible is because we always win. We always win. We always, always win. God is not the kind that will say, okay, sacrifice this and then you just, that's the end of it. No, never. Never, never. God says he will give you double for your trouble. <laughs> Paraphrased. Okay, so we you will never lose out when you follow God's way. So we're going to be taking it from that perspective and I will share also what has worked for me. And that is why I can boldly say that even if you follow what in the beginning might look like you're being a dunce and people maybe, maybe it feels like someone's walking all over you at the end of the day, you win and you come out with, you know, great spoil or reward. Okay. So now that I've sort of given my own very simple, simplified version of, um, definition of what conflict is there, are, the next thing I want to do today is um to share with you what has helped me a lot a lot right even before i go on to the strategies there's something that has made a huge difference to my life in the way that i resolve conflicts or in the ability to be able to resolve conflicts quickly and successfully and peacefully and that is this that all kinds of conflicts can be categorized into two Okay, whatever it is, whoever the source is, whatever might be at stake, conflicts can be categorized into two. 
And if you're able to categorize the conflict that you're facing, whether it is with a home with your spouse or at work with your boss or people that you're in, um, authority over maybe your team or whatever it is, or even with a stranger on the street, all conflicts can be categorized into two. And once you're able to categorize conflict or that conflict into one of two categories, then you will know how to approach it. It's, it's just a very simple way of handling situations in life. It's not as complicated as that. If you can say, okay, it's either this or that, and you know that if it's this one, then I know the approach I'm supposed to take. And if it's this one, then I know the approach I'm supposed to take. It makes things so much simpler. And that is what has really helped me in dealing with conflict. Now, let me say this here. I'm the kind of person that I will not back down or run away from conflict. It's just my personality. So I don't, I won't shrink back. I hate conflict, however, as in where you may see me standing up and saying, no, 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 I'm, I'm not, you know, I, and I'll speak and I'll defend myself or I will speak up and I will at least try and bring, you know, my own case to the forefront or whatever it is. I'm not the kind of person that will say, oh, I'm not going to talk to this person because I know that they're angry with me. If I know somebody's angry with me, I will be the one that will go to them. I said, I hear you're angry with me. Oh yeah, let's talk about it. Do you understand? It's just my personality. Even though I hate it, all right, I hate conflict. That's why I think everybody must hate conflict, right? Even though it's not something that I enjoy, but I don't run from it, if that makes sense. Now, because I don't run from it, I think it's fair to say I have quite a bit of experience in dealing with conflict because I'd rather resolve something than have it linger in my mind. Because I think also being an introvert, I don't, you know, an introvert, you're just, you just have it churning in your mind. We're very inward focused. Introverts just think and think and think and think and think. And it can be quite dangerous, you know, if there's some conflict that is sort of, um, um, being extended and it's just going on and on for an introvert of, at least for me. I don't like it. So I want to resolve things quickly so that we all know where we stand. All right. The idea of there's a conflict somewhere and it's not resolved doesn't sit right with me. It doesn't sit well with me. So that's where the whole resolving quickly also comes in. So it's not like you let the thing linger for like 10 years <laughs> and then you now finally resolve it. I don't think I could take that. So I want to resolve quickly and also being led or um, motivated by the love and the compassion of God, I'm always looking for opportunities for that conflict to be resolved peacefully. It doesn't always work out that way. I make mistakes and some people are unyielding as well. Okay. So if you can, first of all, do this, which is categorize whatever conflict you're facing in, in marriage, in relationships, at work, uh, with your children, whatever it is, if you can categorize into two, right? It makes things so much easier. And what are those two categories? I'm going to talk you through them. The first one is this, whereby the conflict, so somebody maybe comes against you or you're in conflict with someone and the person, right? The origination of that conflict or their motive is self-centeredness or some kind of wickedness. And let me say this, that's quite rare. I'll give you an example from the Bible. Okay. Joseph and Potiphar's wife. 
So Potiphar's wife, Joseph, was being an excellent steward of Potiphar. He was doing his job. He was doing everything his boss wanted him to do. He was being faithful. He respected Potiphar. He respected his wife. He was making, you know, a lot of profits for the Potiphar household. And then without doing anything wrong or taking any step out of turn, this woman, as a result of selfishness and lust, right? Stared up by Satan, essentially looks at Joseph and says, Hmm, I'm going to have me some of that. <laughs> and Joseph is like, what did I do to you this woman? Please leave me alone. Right? So the conflict, obviously he didn't invite it. He didn't do anything to deserve it. It was simply as a result of the other party's selfishness or as a malicious act of wickedness. Do you understand? In this case, for her, it wasn't necessarily wickedness. It was selfishness. She just wanted Joseph and she was like, come here. <laughs> right? And he didn't deserve that. Do you understand? So that's the first kind of conflict that we, every single one of us, will find ourselves in at one point or another in life. But I should also say that this kind of conflict is rare. It's not every day. Do you understand where you're completely innocent? It is as a result of nothing that you've done wrong. It is simply as a result of the other party or parties coming against you as an act of wickedness, wickedness, maliciousness, or gross selfishness. Just they want something, you have it, and there you go. Yeah, yeah, you've thrown it into it without you doing anything wrong. Like somebody wanting to forcefully come and take something that belongs to you. That is a conflict that you didn't attract. That's a conflict that you didn't beg for. It's not a conflict that is as a result of you doing anything wrong. Okay. So the other person is operating under some kind of influence of wickedness or self-centeredness. Okay. That has produced this maliciousness against you. Jealousy, envy. These are the kind of things that I'm talking about. Okay. Jealousy, envy. They're just after you or try after something they want to get from you in this kind of situation this is how people generally feel so if you find yourself in this kind of conflict to add more um to shed more light on that you feel powerless you're like what did i do to even deserve this you feel powerless you feel like no matter what you say or do they won't listen or you can't win okay they won't listen or you can't win do you understand so as i, I mentioned Joseph as an example. So Joseph, he's like, Madam, what did I do you? <laughs> I said, I've been faithful. Your husband has given everything into my hands. How can I sin against God and against him by sleeping with you? No, I don't want to do it. But he couldn't basically just, you know, rubbish and say, get out of here. No, because she was in authority over him. So he was trapped. No matter where he looked, he was trapped. Do you understand? No matter where he looked, he was trapped. For example, someone that is being victimized at work, maybe by a group of people or by a boss. Do you understand? And they feel like, what can I, I didn't, I didn't do anything to attract his attention. They may be victimized because of their race. They may be victimized for whatever reason. People, you know, when Satan is operating, he doesn't really need a, need a reason to step people up against you. Do you understand? So in that situation, you feel powerless. That's the symptom of the kind of uh, conflict that I'm talking about. 
right? You feel powerless. You feel like no matter what you say or do, it's just like, you can't, how am I going to get out of this? Now, when we find ourselves in that kind of situation, okay, the tendency, so if we sort of react emotionally or react like, okay, why are you doing this to me? I'm in anger and all those kind of things. The tendency, right? The natural tendency in that situation is you want to fight back. So you want to exert energy and effort in pushing back and say, why are you doing this to me? But remember what we said about this type of conflict. This is the first category, right? It's a losing battle. It's a losing battle because no matter how much you fight back, right? You cannot get somebody like that to see reason. So trying to exert your energy and to talk and talk and talk to try and get them to see reason and to, you know, try and see from my perspective and you're talking and trying to, you know, approach them in love or whatever it is. It really is not going to work because they are motivated by something that has nothing to do with you. They are motivated either by pure wickedness or they're motivated by their own selfish interest until they see that selfish interest, um, happen. They're not going to leave you alone. The same way Potiphar's wife was not going to listen to reason whenever Joseph was trying to reason with her. You know, she didn't care whether, you know, she didn't care about whatever Joseph had to say. She wanted to sleep with him and end of story. I want you to sleep with me. So it was completely unreasonable. And there was nothing Joseph could have said or done that would have turned that away or made that conflict simply go away. Do you understand? The second way that the flesh sort of the emotions want to react is you want to sort of sink to their level. So if they're being wicked and backbiting and talking behind your, behind your back and, you know, maligning you and things like that in the workplace, you want to sort of enter at that level as well. That's the second tendency. And that one is a trap because if you go and, you know, try, (laughs) you know, if you try and fight at the same level as they're fighting, it's basically a trap. And so don't do it. It's a trap. It's a trap. It's a trap. It's a trap because what would happen? Okay. Imagine someone, right? Someone that has gathered so much strength against you in wickedness and self-centeredness. Do you know that they will go to whatever lengths, any lengths to see the person's downfall? Do you understand? Because it's not rational. The behavior of that person is not rational. It doesn't make sense. If it was motivated by something else, they could have been brought to some kind of reasonable agreement. But if it's motivated purely by wickedness or extreme self-centeredness, then, you know, things at their level, you, they will go further than you're willing to go, is what I'm trying to say. They will go further than you're willing to go. See what happened to Joseph, right? When Joseph decided, no, 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 I'm not going to do it. No, 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 I'm not going to do it. If she basically got to the point where she lied. So, Someone like that, you, you are best not engaging is what I'm trying to say. And I'm going to show how best as Christians, there's one solution that can, de- that can destroy that conflict from your life and God will vindicate you. There's one solution to it, but it is not by trying to engage with that person in hand-to-hand combat or trying to sink to their level because they will go further than you're willing to go. They will go further than you're willing to go.
Okay, so how do you deal with that? And I'm this one with the word I'm going to focus on primarily in the podcast today is the second one because this one that I'm talking about is actually quite rare. Okay, so it's rare. <laughs> Don't think, oh, oh that my boss, this is it. No, this is very, very rare very very rare so i'm going to focus more on the second category but i just want to say if you find yourself in this kind of conflict where no matter what you say or do it just feels like it's a losing battle because the the battle is bigger than you you don't even know where to start you don't even know why they're angry with you do you understand the only way to do this to respond to this is to go to god in prayer You have to learn to go to God in prayer. That is how you deal with this. Now, let me, let me show you from the Bible what the assurance is. And like I said, I'm not just quoting scriptures. I'm going to very shortly share a vivid example with you now of how I found myself in what exactly I'm describing this first category. And this was how I responded to it. And I came out, it was resolved quickly. It was resolved peacefully without me having to sink to the person's level or trying to exert a lot of energy, trying to convince them to leave me alone. Right. And I also came out with spoil, you know, the spoils of war, because I honestly believe that if Satan comes against me, it's payday for me. As far as I'm concerned, Satan, if you come and touch my body, it is payday because the Bible says when a thief is caught, he must pay to up to the seven, he must pay seven times, even if it means emptying his entire house. So you can't come and touch me, the apple of God's eye and go scot-free. You must pay back double or seven times what you stole. Do you understand? So Isaiah 54, 14 to 15, and this is the foundation upon which you can stand when you find yourself dealing with this kind of conflict where you are completely innocent. You've looked around you and it's simply wickedness or very deep self-centeredness and maliciousness against you. You've done nothing wrong. You are a Joseph in this plot by Potiphar's wife. You have to learn to commit it into God's hand. And this is the basis upon which you stand. Isaiah 54, 14 to 15 says, you will be secure under a government that is just and fair. Your enemies will stay far away. It says you will live in peace and terror will not come near. So that's the promise of God. God now says, if anyone comes against you or to fight you, it is not because I sent them. Another version says, it is not because I sent them. It's not from me. I didn't send them. It now says, whoever attacks you will go down in defeat, will go down for your sake. If you marry that with Isaiah 61 or 60, I believe, that says, for your shame, I will give you double. Put those two things together. And God is saying, listen, my will for you is that you will live under a government or under someone in authority over you that is just and fair. You will live in peace, terror, which is what I'm describing. The first conflict will be far from you. But if someone should even say, okay, what? I'm disobeying whatever God has laid down as law and I'm coming after you. God says, don't think I sent them. I didn't send them. Number one. And number two, they will go down in defeat on your behalf for your sake. And number three, you 
that they came to attack will come out with reward out of it. And those are three things that I identify from the word of God and that I used every time I find myself in this kind of conflict whereby it is completely uncalled for, unwarranted. I didn't do anything to deserve it. It's simply Satan messing with people's minds to come against me. Now, let me, let me give you an example of this that happened to me. So there was a, a few years ago now, it must have been, I think about six or seven years ago, I went to church. So I drove to church and, um, Maxine was with me in the car and, you know, drove the church parked. So we used to meet, my church used to meet in a hotel. Um, and you know, obviously the hotel had a car park and everything. And so I got to church and the car park is usually, you know, fairly empty. It's a Sunday morning. It wasn't always full. So it was fairly empty usually on a Sunday morning. So I parked my car and this is why also another lesson here that I need to say, you have to be sensitive to the Holy Spirit because the Holy Spirit always has a way of escape whenever these things want to come against us. He usually has a way of escape to remove us from that situation. When he did not send it, he will find a way to get you out of there before it even happens. So I got to church and as I was about to park, there was just a nudging. So it wasn't like, Hey, allow me. It wasn't anything like that because I was, you know, if it was dramatic, <laughs> I probably would have listened, right? That, Oh, this is God talking to me. But it was just like a feeling like parks as in there was a particular spot parking spot in front of me right on the other side because they're parking bays on both sides so it's like go go and park here <laughs> but i'm like why i i don't want to park there and then the one that i wanted to park in i reversed in and then i parked okay and for some reason it's a weird one because for some reason as i came out of the car i parked you know maxine and i got out of the car the, I, I happened to notice the car that was beside mine, either on the left or on the right. I noticed that ah, this car, for some reason, for no particular reason, I noticed the color. I noticed that it was quite an old car and it had a lot of marks on it, like it had been in like accident. It was very old and it had definitely seen its, its, its best days were behind it. Bumps and scrapes and all sorts of things on the car. So I just said, okay, and it, it meant nothing to me. I went to church and then <laughs> at the end of church, I remember I was like serving hospitality. One of the managers, right, from the hotel came into where my church met in the hotel um, and basically said, um, wanted to speak to someone in the church, right? And eventually, eventually, it said somebody had made a complaint that who owns the car. So they gave the color of my car, the make and the reg number and said, who owns that car? I said, it's me. He said, you know, the person that you parked next to said that you, what did she even say? That I scraped her car or I hit her car. One of those words. Like me. <laughs> I didn't touch her car. Or, you know, my child is here. We were in the car together. I parked there was plenty of space. In fact, there was no car on the other side. So how will I just go and park so close to her own car? But basically I was like, no, I didn't, I didn't touch her car. And that was the honest to God truth. I didn't go anywhere near that woman's car, but apparently she said, no, that I scraped her car or I hit her car or whatever it is. And it's my car. There's no, no other car there, right? That must be mine. That must be mine. I said, it's not me. 
Anyway, so I gathered my things to go and talk to this person. By the time I got to reception, they said she had been waiting at reception. By the time I got there, it said that she had gone to the police. I said, hey, she had gone where? To the police. For what? For something I didn't do. But anyway, so I was really disturbed. I was like, what kind of thing is this? I came to worship God. <laughs> I came to the house of God to praise God. And then somebody is just randomly making up some kind of accusation against me for something i didn't do and it wasn't even like the car was new the car was old and it had all sorts of scrapes and bumps and do you understand on it i'm like this person is looking for who to use to chop or eh she's looking for who's to use to chop so basically i was that thing really i was you know it, it shook me up because i'm like what i said don't you people have cctv they said they, said they didn't have cctv in the car park i said ah, see you. anyway so I went home and obviously she went to the police. Uh, the police said reported to the insurers, etc. She had taken my details, taken pictures of her car and, and all that. So I said, okay, fine. Called, I got a call. Was it the next day or something like that from my insurers? And my insurers basically said, we've got this ax- this report against you. This woman said that you you bashed her car while you were parking so they said i should write an incident report so i wrote an incident report i said this is what happened i parked my car without incident i don't even recall anything about any going anywhere in this woman's car i submitted it but i knew within me that she wasn't going to relent so in this is the kind of situation that i'm describing right this is the first kind of conflict where listen this is just an act of wickedness it is literally just an act that no matter what you say okay the person is not going to hear you because they are so resolved in that opinion they have they are so convinced that you've done something or they want you to do something against your will that nothing's like me you know trying to tear my hair out and say give me her phone number i want to go and beg her no none of that could have worked Do you understand? And I was completely innocent in that situation, but she was not going to hear it from me. So I did what I need to do. I went to God and I said, come and see how Satan wants to come and steal from me. Because obviously the implication of that was I would be asked to pay for damage that I hadn't done. If I had scraped her car, very happy to pay for the damage but something i didn't do i will now pay and then my insurance will now go like five times for the next 20 years or something just churning money away for something that i was not a part of so i took it to god and i said god no no you know because of this scripture because god said that i will live under a government that is just and fair and that was not just or fair. So I took it to God. He said, terror will not come near me. This one was trying to terrorize me. <laughs> so I carried her case to God. I said, God, come and sort her out. And I prayed and he gave me a word. And I stood on that word. And basically God showed me, he said, listen, it will, how did he even say? It was a scripture in Psalm somewhere. Like in something like as quickly as it came, I can't remember the scripture, but the gist of it was as quickly as the accusation came, that's as quickly as it will vaporize and that I will have a reward at the end of it. So I carried the scripture. I wrote the confession out of it. I said, as quickly as this woman came and accused me of something I didn't do, that is as quickly as it will get thrown out. And I want a new car. <laughs> 
I'm serious. This is how me I once the Bible says something I don't I say reward Abby. Uh-huh. So Satan, you had the audacity to come against me and try and accuse me and steal my money. I want a new car out of this. I want to upgrade my car. <laughs> I want to upgrade my car. Okay. And so I stood on the word, stood on the word. I was basically just declaring the word over it until I got to the point where I was like, it's done. I just felt completely at peace. All right. The insurers will send me messages or letters or whatever. I'll just like you people, you know, it will soon get thrown out. And literally, literally a couple of weeks, they just wrote and said, listen, that, you know, they compared it. The pictures she took were not even clear. There's no justifiable reason why she would accuse me. Blah, blah. And they basically just like the word of God said, the thing vaporized as quickly as it came. Boom, it vaporized. But I was not content because God had said to me, if Satan comes against me, he must pay back what he came to steal. He came to steal my joy. He came to steal my peace. And then he came to try and steal my money. He must pay back. Okay. <laughs> and I said, I want an upgrade. And I, I had written in my confession, the kind of car that I wanted. All right. And I just basically forgot about it. I think it was a year after that, right? Some money came to me and in fact, I had forgotten about it. Honestly, it was when I was going back over my journal that I remember that, ah, yes, I said that, you know, you must pay me back. Money came to me and I bought exactly the kind of upgrade car that I said that I wanted. Do you understand? So that was how it happened. I think it, 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 some something matured or something and then something happened or like i think it was a tax refund some i don't even remember money came sha right and the exact car that i'd written down that listen because you've come against me i'm going to get my car upgraded to this the money will come to this and that was exactly what happened so for something like that you have to be willing to just listen it's like a joseph going against Potiphar's wife. What can Joseph do in that situation? Eh? Beat her up. He will be killed instantly, right? Try and argue with her in front of Potiphar's wife, killed instantly. So he literally had to just commit it into God's hands in the place of prayer and entrust himself into the hands of God. That is how you deal with the first kind of conflict, right? So let's move on to the second kind of conflict. And like I said, any conflict you are facing at work, in your mind, at home, in relationships, whatever it might be with a stranger on the street, it is either one or the other. Now, it is very rare that is the first one that I described. And literally, the only way you can deal with it is to take it because it's a spiritual attack. You have to take it into prayer and let God vindicate you. The second one is more about honing your skills as a person, your skills, you know, to be able to relate with people. God is, you know, might bring the situations into your life to help you develop character, to help you, you know, knock you down a peg or two. If you are very proud and arrogant to learn humility. And the second one is when both sides ultimately want the same thing right but they disagree on how to get there and honestly 98 percent of the conflicts that we face in marriage in relationships at work will fall into this second category the a fantastic example from the bible is ruth and naomi ruth and naomi wanted the same thing believe it or not so when naomi was saying go back to ruth and opa 
right? Go back, my daughters, you know, I love you, but I can't give you children. So she was basically saying, you need to go back because I want you to live a life. You're too young to basically throw your life away. saying you want to look after me. I want you to go and marry, have kids, have sons right? So she wanted the same thing that Ruth wants. She wanted, Johnson. she wanted a future, but Ruth was saying, listen, right? I want a future too, but I believe that future is with you. Naomi believed that the future was back home in Moab. Ruth was saying, no, that future is with you. So they ultimately wanted the same thing, but because they saw from two different perspectives, it created a conflict. All right. So that's the second kind of conflict. And you might say, no, we don't want the same things. I'm telling you, if you will accept what I'm saying, that no matter what it is, unless as I described in the first case, it is a pure attack against you. You don't want the same things in that situation. The person is out to, you know, get something from you at all costs or they're out to destroy you. Johnson, like that woman wanted to scam me for money to repair a car that, that was badly damaged. Okay. But the second type, which is what we tend to encounter daily is you want the same thing, but you see it in two different perspectives. So some might say, no, we don't want the same thing. We stop wanting the same thing ages ago in this marriage. It's not true. If you dig up long enough, if you Peel back the layers long enough, you will realize that you actually do want the same thing, but it's the way that you want to get there that is different or that is opposite. Okay. Now the tendency, the way we tend to react in this situation where, you know, um, you see things from different perspectives is you want to judge the person and label them the bad guy simply because they don't see from your point of view and that can only lead to more conflict. So what I'm going to be focusing on and giving you the five steps, all right, in dealing that will lead you to resolving that conflict quickly and peacefully is this second one. So husband and wife, I'll give you an example for my own, you know, marriage, getting married, the chief source of conflict in my marriage was parenting because my husband and I had very different ways of parenting. Me, I'm quite strict. My husband is more of the, you know, sit down and talk about it. Sit down and talk about what before. <laughs> okay. So, and, um, very different views. And in the beginning it was creating a lot of conflict. So what I learned is what I'm telling you today. We are not enemies right? We want the same thing. We both want the children to prosper, to do better than us, to grow up, to be responsible citizens that love God. We both want the same things. As soon as I realized that, and I came to that understanding that, ah, we want to end up in the same place. It is the, how to get there. That is a problem. Okay. Once you realize that it's a completely different ball game, that person stops being your enemy. It stops being your enemy and it opens you up to be able to apply these five principles that I'm going to talk about now. So the first one is Jesus said, when you have an adversary that comes against you, agree with them quickly. Otherwise they would take you before the judge and then you would have the authority in prison, something like that. But what I want to draw, the first one is get to a place of consensus or agreement quickly. 
what do you, what do you, what do I mean by that? I just gave an example, right? So if you find yourself, let's say a husband and wife, you're arguing about something like, no, um, he wants to take this job. You're saying, no, he can't do it. Da, 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 da. You, why don't you, why do you want to leave your job in order to, da, da, da. so let me give a proper example. So the husband says, oh, I want to resign from my job because I have this business that I want to go and start. Right. I really believe you know, believe that this is the season I need to resign from so I can focus. And the wife is like, eh, resign for what? No, you better, how will we eat? How will you pay rent? You better continue working and so on. Now, what you want to do in this case, what I mean by get to a place of agreement quickly is this come to the place where you both agree that you want the best for that family. So find a common place of consensus quickly even if the conflict is not resolved do you understand what i mean so the husband that wants to resign so that he can do work on his business he you know and the wife that saying no we have to eat we you have to pay the rent etc at least agree that the reason why he wants to go and start the business is he believes that that would take the family even further economically meanwhile the wife is saying no by staying in the job that will help us economically meaning at the end of the day what you are both after is the economic uh, stability or empowerment of that family start from that place of consensus and reach there quickly even if you don't yet agree on how you're going to get there because if you start from that place of unity then that enemy called division and strife leaves so you've already won half of the battle the same thing at work the work com- the boss comes in or the team leader and says this is what we're going to do we're going to do it this way and you disagree and there's a conflict you generally believe that's not how to do it at least you have to first of all sit down and say why is he saying this does he genuinely want the project to succeed most likely so if that's the case and you also want the project to succeed that's your point of consensus Find it quickly because it changes the game. If you paint the person as the enemy that wants the downfall of you and everybody involved, you've already lost that battle. Okay. So the first step is find a common place of agreement or consensus and get there quickly. As I said, in my own marriage, you know, first few months where conflicts over parenting, it came to the point where we sat down and we said, we both want the same thing for the children. We want them to succeed. We want them to be responsible. So that brought us together in a way like he had never done before. When we both thought, no, you're trying to do this. You're trying to, and the accusations were flying. Do you understand that? That is so important. It's the first step. Jesus said, agree with your adversary quickly. So find one thing that you both will agree on quickly and then start from there. Okay. The second step is empathy. So the first one is agreement. Find a a place or a point of consensus very quickly. Even if the conflict is not yet resolved, the second one is empathy and empathy is broken down. I'm going, I'm going to make this as practical as I can, because these are things that I've applied that I've worked, that I've also researched and seen that, you know, is working for people as well. Now, if you remember the seven habits of highly effective people, Stephen Covey said one of the highly effective uh, habits is seek first to understand, then to be understood. That's what empathy is. 
Empathy is acknowledgement of the other person's point of view, literally stepping into the other person's shoes. And how do you display or uh, develop empathy practically in a conflict? So the husband is saying, like the example that I gave, I'm going to leave the job now because I want to go and build this business. The wife is saying, no, we have to pay rent. We have to eat. We have to pay mortgage. You can't resign. And he's adamant that unless he resigns, he can't build the business. Okay. So empathy means, first of all, you try and honestly see things from the other person's point of view. So put literally put yourself in their shoes, put yourself in their shoes, try and feel what they're feeling, try and think what they're thinking, try and, you know, so looking at the wife now, the wife says, okay, if I were the provider for this family, all right, if I were the one working in his place of work, So I'm going to try and see from his point of view, the way you do that, the way you ask questions will show they are really trying to understand rather than for trying to shove your own idea down his throat. This is the wife now, right? You don't know that perhaps he's beginning to see some signs of movement at work that that job in six months time is not going to be secure. And he's thinking, if I leave now, I can begin to work on my, whatever it is begin to build my business. So you are asking questions to understand, not to get yourself understood. So you want to really see from the other person's point of view. Okay. You want to take on their cloak and wear that cloak and be them. When you do that is it's, it is, it makes, you know, it makes it easier to be able to understand what they're saying, because how do you reach a point where that um, conflict is resolved. If you don't understand what they're saying, right? You, you will always be a loggerhead if you don't understand. All right. So try honestly to see things from the other person's point of view, the way you ask questions or you go and research or you go and, you know, whatever it is, talk to someone that knows them or whatever. So see from that point of view. And the second way you can display empathy is to genuinely be sympathetic to their ideas or their desires. So be sympathetic. So you're not seeing from that point of view so that you can judge because when you step into someone's shoes, what happens is empathy. So sympathy comes and like, ah, oh, you mean, oh, so it is the fear that is making them sort of, you know, decide that they want to leave that job or they are being harassed at work or they feel, you know, like they're not doing a good job. There's a million and one reasons why that man could be saying he wants to leave the job. You don't know until you generally try to understand you will forever, you know, judge from your own high horse and it will always be fire for fire. So empathy is the second step. First of all, Try honestly to see things from the other person's point of view, step in their shoes and try and walk in their shoes. And when that happens, number two is you are sympathetic to their ideas and their feelings. Don't wave it off. Why are they feeling like this? Once you discover that you're like, okay, I understand. I understand why you're feeling like this. And you know, that would also inform your own decisions as well. Okay. For my own 
example that I gave in marriage regarding, you know, my marriage and the conflicts that came out of parenting, I, I, you know, I looked at it and I, you know, from my own husband's point of view, cause he, you know, he's not the kind of person that would really, really go after, um, if a child does something wrong. Meanwhile, I you know, my personality is I'm a visionary. So I can see 10 years down the line that if this thing is not corrected, it's going to, you know, it might cause problems for the child later on. So I'm seeing this one. It needs to be dealt with now. It needs to be corrected. The child is a little, and he's in relax, you know, relax. And so I, I stepped. So I, I sort of walked over to the other side and we both did this. So this is something that we sat down and we intentionally did by asking each other questions and having a conversation. And I said, okay, why do you see this way? And I literally walked around and I sat in his seat and I could see why he was like that. So, was like, you know, he, he, he doesn't want a child to be unhappy. And it's a genuine thing for him. Meanwhile, if you cry blood, huh? what's my own? Cry blood if you want. It doesn't affect me. But that's not his personality. His personality is he doesn't like people being sad. He doesn't like people being unhappy. He wants someone to feel okay all the time. Me, I don't care. As long as the future is guaranteed. Cry blood. So once I saw that, right, I saw that, okay, I can see why you're making these kind of decisions. And he came to my own point of view and I showed him that the reason why we need to deal with it is if this is not dealt with, imagine how this can escalate 10 years down the line. And he said, oh, I see it. Do you understand? Once we reach that point where we could see through each other's glasses, honestly, the point of the whole hotness, if I can use that word, of the conflict evaporated. And that was the end of it. That was the end of it because we could now see. So he could see that I can't, you know, I can't judge it by, you know, I want the child to be happy all the time. It's not good for the child. And at the same time, he was like, okay. Um, so I was like, okay. <laughs> I'm a bit confused. I've confused myself. So he saw that it can't be about the child being happy all the time. Okay. And I saw that, all right, even though there's a future and I don't want, you know, I, I want to make sure that this thing is fixed. It's not about that. I need to sort of pay attention to how the child feels as well. So when we saw that, honestly, it really went a long way to remove conflicts from our, from our marriage because that was the main source of conflicts in our marriage. So that's the second one, empathy. Number three, the third one is, so it's not just about empathy. Now that you are seeing through the other person's eyes and you are, you have walked in their shoes, you felt what they're feeling. You understand that point of view and where they're coming from. What you now need to ask yourself is now that I feel what they feel in trying to resolve this conflict, how would I want to be treated? So if I were the boss, right? And the boss was me, right? How would I want as a boss to, to treat someone that is my team member? Would I want to be shouted at? Would I want to be yelled at? Would I, you know, would I want to be belittled and, you know, said, just do it. I said, that's how we're doing it. Would you want to be treated like that? If you don't want to be treated like that, then you don't treat the other person like that. So the third step is to genuinely ask yourself if I was on the other side of this line and somebody was trying to get me, you know, to do something, how would I want them to tell me? How would I want them to present it to me? 
that is what you need to think about and then do it that way. Okay. So go forward the way you would want to be treated. If you don't want some boss coming to shout at you and say, I said, do it. Then don't go and shout at somebody else and say, I said, do it. Empathy naturally leads to the third step. Once you begin to see from that person's point of view, compassion comes out and you want to resolve the conflict in a way that is not demeaning, in a way that would help them as it would have helped you. That's a very short one. All right. That removes all kinds of finger pointing uh, and it opens up productive dialogue. Because if you, if you approach it with kindness, because you want to be treated with kindness, it makes the person open up to you. All right. If you don't want somebody shoving their finger in your face and saying, why are you so, why are you so stubborn or whatever it is, knowing that that will get you to clamp up, then you won't do the same to the person. Number four or step four is to be creative in the way you present information. To be creative in the way that you present information. If you have been saying it away in a particular way and the person has not heard you, can you try and present it in another way? Okay. And one of the best ways to present situations to people, especially if they can't see what you're saying is to use stories, scenarios, rather than using facts and figures and numbers. Okay. The way I'll go back to my own example of conflict in marriage regarding parenting, what I did to help my husband sort of come on board with what, you know, the sort of discipline that we need to, we needed to put in place, right. Was I, I referred him back to my experience. I said, I have 14 or 12 between at that time, about 13, 12 and 14 years experience of working in secondary schools. So I'm not just talking. I've seen the progression. And then I told him story after story about how if it starts like this and you don't, you know, the start child starts, you know, the child starts by being, you know, disorganized or whatever it is. And then they're racking up detentions. They get labeled. So I told stories. I presented it from a different angle. By doing that, my husband was able to see what I was saying and it was like, ah, I understand. And he was able to come on board to, you know, essentially what I was saying. So I, I came at it from a different perspective rather than saying, you don't, you know, this child da, 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 and, you know, shouting and doing all those things that would have never gotten me anywhere, even though what I was saying at the end of the day was correct. And when, when he saw it as well, I was like, wow, thank God, you know, you're, you're absolutely right. But if I had insisted on just saying, I say, this must be done, this must be done. It would never have been done. Now it would have affected both of us at the end of the day. So I found a more creative way to say it. All right. A more creative way to say it. I use stories. I use scenarios. I use my experience. I drew from my experience and I presented it in a way that he could see what I was saying. And that was literally the clincher. Okay. So be creative, speak the person's language. Speak the person's language. If you are trying to resolve a conflict with your child where you want them to do something, you've been telling them over and over again, and they're still not hearing you, you're probably saying it in a way that they don't understand. Find a language that they understand and speak it in that language. 
okay as children grow up you have to change the way you speak to them you have to change the way the way you speak to a two-year-old is not the way you speak to a 10 year old or a 16 year old all right so you sort of have to come to their level and speak to them in a way that they will understand so be creative and the final one the final step in resolving conflicts quickly and patiently is you have to be willing to give up your position if necessary you have to be willing to give up your position if necessary what do i mean by that if all of those things from steps one to four you've tried all that and it hasn't worked you have to be willing to say okay let's do it your way and commit it to god all right let's do your way especially if the person is in authority over you maybe it's a husband or your boss at work you have gone through the first four steps right you've come quickly to a place of agreement you've used empathy or you know you've demonstrated empathy you have stood in their shoes and you've treated them the way you would want to be treated you have used language that is creative in a way that they understand it and if they're still saying no this is what must be done then at that point you have to basically just be willing to surrender your own position and commit it into the hands of god and say god i leave these things in your hands and i believe that because at that point in time the bible says pray for those in authority over you so that you can live a peaceable life so god i want peace right i can see where this thing is headed I done what I know to do, but it's still not, they are not listening to me. They believe that this is how they should do it. Father, I ask for peace. Okay. Take it to God and ask God to protect you and protect the outcome in that situation. Leave your committed to God and life is short. Okay. Don't go and worry yourself just commit it to god and leave the person and sometimes even if it's not you know someone in authority over it can be a child you've been telling this child you know do this or don't and they are not listening you have to literally commit them to god that they will learn by experience not to do that kind of thing again right you just need to let them experience that failure and commit them to god so those are the five strategies that have been of immense help to me in resolving conflicts quickly and peacefully. And I hope that they have, you know, been enlightening to you as well. And I hope they will help you. You know, I'm pretty sure there are some things that you're doing already as well. It might be a reminder to you or an affirmation that you're on the right track, or it may be something that you hadn't thought about before. But as I said, the most important thing to understand is conflict truly can be categorized into one or two 97 if not 98 percent of the conflicts that we encounter on a day-to-day basis is the second category where it is literally you want the same thing at the end of the day but the way together is where you differ in opinion the first one which is rare is where the person doesn't want what you want it is motivated by wickedness maliciousness or a deep form of selfishness and in that case there's nothing you can do to win your win them from that position you literally have to take it to god and let god fight for you and vindicate you right so that's me done and i'll be back next week thanks bye <music>